0: My guest today is someone I love so much that I married them. Can you believe that? And that's Ashley Dotson, formerly known as Ashley Valencia. We got into some of her childhood traumas, what dealing with trauma looks like, what healing from trauma looks like, and all together, this was a great podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. This is the dot pod. This is the dot pod. With Derek Dotson. With Derek Dotson. Are you so are you nervous to be on a podcast?
1: A little bit, yeah. I think so.
0: Why are you nervous?
1: Um, I'm nervous because I don't want to say something and then regret it later because <laughs> I tend to do that a lot. <laughs> I always say I, when I talk to people, I'm like, "Why why did I say that?" Or I shouldn't have s- you know express so much emotion or i'm always contemplating on do i tell them like no you know don't take it too serious but that's not a bad
0: thing you're just pretty honest
1: i'm honest and i'm sometimes way too open
0: like what do you mean to open (laughs) like
1: uh about yourself yeah like if somebody's asking me how are you how are you doing and then i'll say well look i can tell you that i'm good but I'm really not right now. Like, I'm actually having a really hard time. Because I don't want to just say, oh, I'm good and just move on with my life. Like, I actually want to talk about whatever's happening. But how so, you're really
0: feeling? Well, that's what's weird, like, when people say, hey, how are you doing? Like, how many of those people actually want to know how you're doing? And how much of it is just, like, being cordial?
1: Yeah, exactly. So I think it depends on who the person that is asking me. So if it's a friend or somebody that I know that is going to want to listen to me, and he can actually care about what what I have to say, then I'll say, you know what? I'm not having such a good time right now, and this is why. And then they'll be like, oh, me too, or I get you. I was like that last week.
0: And that's usually where the best conversations happen, when people actually do want to listen to you, Mm -hmm. and when you do tell how you're actually feeling versus the generic, oh, I'm good, how are you? Yeah. And it's so easy. I find myself doing that a lot of times just saying, I'm good. Maybe it's just because you're passing by someone and.
1: And you end up talking about the weather.
0: Yeah. So, question I hate for you. That. <laughs> How are you doing?
1: I'm good right now. Um, I wasn't too good two days ago. It was just one of those days where you, you question everything. For me, like, I, well, I, I, I have a lot of questions as, like, when is this going to be over in terms of like COVID? Or why did I wake up like this today? And usually it's like I'm low energy, I don't want to do anything, um, and I'm com- constantly thinking of things I said or past um, situations that I, you know I either didn't agree with, or I'm constantly just thinking, and then I don't sleep, so then I wake up, and then I'm like, oh.
0: it's like a rabbit hole gets. Kind of dig yourself deeper a little bit. Yeah, and then uh, not. that like you're, it's. So how do you get yourself out of that? Like, what what made you so? A couple of days ago, when you were feeling that way, what turned it around for you?
1: I think it's just going through it, going through whatever I'm feeling or whatever's happening, and yoga helped me because I do yoga Saturdays and Sundays. So it was what Saturday I think it was Saturday, and then I went to yoga, and it helped me a little bit. You know, get back to okay you're just thinking these thoughts they're not real the past is what happened in the past and stop thinking of what the future holds just be in the moment so that's what yoga uh, did for me that day but then I still felt low energy where I was just like I was like yawning and I'm and it's because I was tired from from not sleeping so it's just like sleep is so important and then once I do get like at least a good five hours, and I feel a little better, but it's time and just kind of going through it and not trying to change it. What I realized is that that's the only way to get out is to really. Yeah, you're not just... gonna think
0: your way out of it.
1: Yeah, and I used to be like that. I used to be really like, no, I'm gonna. This is not. This is not how it's supposed to be. I'm just gonna think differently. Think positive. Just think positive. Just That's it. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. You know, (laughs) and it didn't work. And I was just overwhelming myself with a lot of stress and which would make it even worse and worse and worse. So I have to step back and say, are these thoughts necessary right now? What are you doing to yourself right now? And it's like, well, you're not doing anything to yourself. (laughs) You're just stressing yourself out even more. So just stepping back um, and that's it. Just going with it.
0: That's really all you can do. Yeah. When you mentioned COVID, I kind of like just in my head thought how like in the beginning <clears throat> of COVID, even since the very beginning, you you were like on top of it in terms of like you took it very seriously. Um, you're like you're smiling right now. And that's because I, on the other hand, in the beginning was very hesitant uh, to accept COVID or believe it for for what people were saying it it was. And that's for like different reasons, such as like social media, mm-hmm. news outlets, lack of trust and all of those. but you've really, from the beginning, took it with seriousness. So what made you take it with seriousness? I mean, I could get into why I didn't take it as seriously and my and I've completely come to like a 180 on on COVID since the beginning. I think a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. but how come in the beginning you kind of just took it for what it was?
1: Because I think. I think this is gonna sound super weird, but I think about death a lot. And this can be <laughs> it's not weird, it's just that you know what your life can change in an instant. And I'm constantly thinking of that, that my grandma might not be here tomorrow. She might not be here in the next ten minutes. So I'm constantly thinking of people that I love them being gone at one point or another. And <clears throat> just going back to like death. You know, I'm not thinking about it like I'm scared of it. I'm just thinking we might not get tomorrow. We might not get, you know, next week. So when covid came out, the moment that I found out that, you know, this is like a big thing, people are worried and and it's affecting the older people. I thought of my grandma, That's all that's the only person I thought of. And at that time, I was uh, doing my internship at Wilson High School with Marsha. So I also thought about her. And then I'm thinking like, oh, my God, all these people who I really love and appreciate are at risk. So I'm going to do my part and wear a mask, stay home. And then I'm like, it's just wearing a mask. It's just staying home. I, I don't mind it. You know, I'm I'm a homebody, so I I don't care. Let me stay home. It's This is a time where I'm going to be able to. I don't know, do things that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to stay home or work from home. I think this is a great, you know, so I saw it more as of, hey, I'm not going to lose anything, me staying home or wearing a mask. Whereas if I don't listen to them or listen to science or whoever is telling us, the government, then I might lose my grandma for being going out and seeing my friends or, you know, doing things that, that we're not supposed to be doing at that time, which was a lockdown. So I constantly thought about my grandma. I thought about even like my mom and then everybody in my family has some type of illness. So I was just constantly thinking of them. And and I said, no, I'm not going to just be out there and put them at risk. I don't care about me. (laughs) I don't care if if I get it. I'm young. I'm pretty healthy. I eat healthy, so I, I can probably beat it. But that wasn't the point. The point was that I can give it to somebody else.
0: Yeah, and the scariest part, you can be asymptomatic.
1: That was the other scary and part. And then
0: not know you haven't, and then go around your grandma or whoever, and then give it to them, and not, I mean, I, I wouldn't ever blame someone, like, put guilt on them for that, but I imagine if that does happen to you, like, if you lost a close one, a close loved one, or, mm-hmm. or just anyone, really, and you know that it was connected to you, maybe going out or doing something that you mm-hmm. could have not have done, that that probably weighs heavy on you
1: oh yeah and and even things that i mean just growing up and things that had nothing to do with me used i still feel guilty for some stuff where i'm like i could have done more or i should have been there more it's like no you you can't you know you you just do you in a in a sense so this was that's probably why i was like no I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay home. <laughs> and I'm going to wear a mask and I'm going to sanitize everything. And yeah, I was a little more paranoid at the beginning and then it got to the point where I was just too tired to to yeah. deal with it.
0: Do you think at one point it was like unhealthy paranoia about it? Cuz you ha- like I would say now you have a, a healthy respect for it. But in the beginning, do you think it was a lot of fear? Uh your actions were driven by fear or just like like you said earlier? Oh, I'll just cooperate. Like it's, I'm not giving up a lot. Okay. I'm not going to go out? Okay, big deal. I have to stay home. I have to wear a mask? Okay, I'll wear a mask. I
1: would, I would say fear. And I'm going to say fear because I had a lot of anxiety. And obviously fear is, you know, partners of anxiety. Um, so there was a lot of fear that you were going to bring it home. Yeah. <laughs> so that was where my fear came because I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going anywhere, so I'm not going to get it. If I do get it, it's at the store. And that was where they were saying, oh, it's going to be in a package. You know, wipe your packages down. So I wiped the packages down for like two weeks, and then I gave up because I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, and then more
0: <laughs> science and stuff came out and talked to it. About and it they didn't know
1: Trans- everything yet. you yeah. know, it was so new to everybody. I'm like, you know, like the uncertainty was just like driving me nuts. And... But now that I reflect on it, the unknown is what scares me a lot.
0: Yeah, and that's with everything. The unknown, whether it be going into a job interview and mm-hmm. not really knowing what questions they're going to ask you or what they're going to think of you, or the unknown of what tomorrow or the next week may hold, the unknown is like a big part of fear. We, mm-hmm. we as humans hate not knowing. And we live in the universe where, if we really look at it, we probably don't know nearly as much as nope, we think we do.
1: We don't, and we don't, we don't even know a lot about ourselves. I mean, we think we know about everything else, but at the end of the day, it's like, do you even know who you are? <laughs> That's <laughs> and, uh, super true. Like, I'm probably my grandma on blast, but she she's constantly talking about other people. So one day she's gossiping of course and then I asked her it's funny how people know people think they know about other people but yet you know nothing about yourself and she just she was like what <laughs> <laughs> but I she, she understood that hold on I keep talking about these people that I think I know but yet I'm not questioning myself
0: Yeah. And a lot of times when we talk about other people, like we might not most of the time, we don't have a clear view of who that person is Mm because you either put that person in this box in your own mind or you're judging them based off these two events that happened and not looking up at all the things that led up to it. And it's so easy to do that. And it's, it's I think a lot of people gossip just because it's comforting for themselves. To know that other people are struggling or Mm kind of takes some attention off of themselves and i think you really hit on something important that we don't really know ourselves and that for me i mean you're into meditation too but that's why mindfulness and meditation has been really important for me and for like my growth as a human being as a husband to you Mm -hmm. in every avenue of my life um we we tend to not take the time to really explore our own selves and what meditation does for me is it allows me to sit there and then my monkey mind is going to go to whatever it's going to go to and i just kind of notice the different places it goes to Mm -hmm. the common negative self-talk that happens in my mind and where it's really big for me is it translates to everyday life so now if i do find myself attempting or about to gossip i'll notice what i'm about to do i'm like why am I doing that? And just because sometimes those thoughts appear in your head and Mm -hmm. we have no control of it. And then we just kind of leap onto those thoughts and kind of make it into reality in a way. Um, But I think there's a lot of value in just sitting with yourself and, and exploring inside. Okay. This person said that word and that word really got me angry for some reason. Mm -hmm. It's not just that word or that person. There's something behind that word, you know? And I think that's true. I mean, you've said words to me, that have, have triggered me before. Of like, course. I remember one time you, you called me a know-it-all or something. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that was,
1: like, the beginning of our relationship, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Or was it recently?
0: No, no, it could have been either one. <laughs> <laughs> but w- when you called me a know-it-all, like, I noticed this emotional reaction, and I immediately wanted to, like, get defensive. Mm-hmm. But then... I noticed all, all the noise that was going on in, in my head, the justifications or why you're wrong in my head. And, hey, I, I do know a lot. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, you do. You but, do know a lot. But then, like, I kind of just, like, stepped back and was like, why is that, why is that bugging me so much? And now I was like, well, that's because there's some truth to it. Um, at times, I do act like a know it all, or you might provide some perfectly rational information and because I think it's this way, I'm not fully hearing you. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, like, for me, that's what came out of that for me. Like, I was glad you said it because it made me reflect on it. And
1: You're welcome.
2: <laughs>
0: and uh, when so when you called me a know-it-all, I was like, <clears throat> hey, that's bugging me. Let me investigate this a little bit. And then when I investigated it, I was like, oh, well, why, why is it so important for me to be right? You know? And I think that's, like, a big important lesson for a lot of
2: people.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Like, if you feel the need to be right. If I ever find myself in an argument now, or at least if I'm lucky to be mindful enough of it, and I find myself, like, clinging on the need to be right or get my point across, then I kind of just have to sit back and check myself. And there's ways to communicate that you do think you're right without having that ego attached Mm -hmm. to it. Okay, let's have an open conversation. Let me just share what I think. But let me honestly and truly listen to you mm-hmm. while you're talking. And I'm just going to ask you if you could speak into Mike a little bit. Thank you.
1: No, and it's also, yeah. And I probably said no, you're a no-it-all because you weren't listening to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's You what were I'm listening saying. to me. And, and, and I, yesterday we were talking about what is the truth. You know, the truth is different for everybody. Everybody has a different experience. So the truth, like, is there really a truth?
0: Yeah, that's a crazy question. Is there really a truth? Is
1: there really a truth? Because when you think about it, we all have our perspective of life. And how do we get our perspective is from our experiences. We both grew up differently. We have completely different backgrounds. So you kind of have to question so she thinks this is her truth, but I think differently because I think this is true. So there's really no truth. And I think it just comes down to empathy, listening and really looking at the person, not as he's wrong or I'm right. But it's more of where is he coming from and why. Why is he telling me this right now? So I think when I told you you're a know-it-all, I don't. I think I was trying to express maybe something that was triggering me, or
0: or just trying to express, hey, stupid, listen to me. Uh, Yeah, or I was trying
1: to to, maybe I was trying to understand you in in a sense of like, hey, um, listen, put yourself in my shoes for a second. And then that's probably why I say, you think, you know, I don't, I don't even remember, to be honest, uh, when I said that. But I'm glad I did, because now <laughs> you, you, you're a better person because of me. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding.
0: No, I am a better person because of you, for sure. And, and I'm the same way. And, like, with the truth, I think when we talk to other people, like, I think they're, like, nothing in life is black and white. Like no. as The more and more, the older mm-hmm. I get. Like more I see, nothing's black and white, nothing is all good, nothing is all bad. Mm-mm. And literally, it feels like that's the truth for everything, mm-hmm. even like with great things like exercise, like too much exercise, mm-hmm. you could tear apart your body, yeah. you know, so nothing's all good, nothing's all bad, nothing's black and white. And when we have conversations, I think that's where we can really gain wisdom if we're really listening to each other, because conversations oftentimes people mirror you so when i say people mirror you like they mirror where you're hung up Mm -hmm. in yourself yeah so if you have conversations and you're taking these words a certain way if you really are able to kind of take a step back and see it Mm -hmm. you'll see that oh wait this conversation is actually showing me something about myself something that i'm hanging on to or i might be resentful about yeah or the need to be right or, or whatever it may be, but a lot of times when you have conversations and just interact with people on a regular basis, people just reflect a lot of times the bad in you. And not mm-hmm. and when I say like, it's not like those people are doing something bad, but the way you're interpreting a conversation or, or something kind of kind of mirrors some issues that, that I may be struggling with. Uh,
1: that's like the most, I think that was the biggest lesson. Well, I've had so many lessons these past two years, but... You're whatever you think of someone, or whatever, however, you're judging them, that's you. They're not the problem. You're the problem, or the problem's yours. So, what are you going to do with that? Now, some people reflect on it, like me and you. Although some people don't reflect on that. They don't even have a grasp of that, they don't even understand that yet. So, for me, that was one of my biggest lessons in these two years of you know, doing my uh, graduate program, going to therapy, doing yoga, meditation, reading books. That was probably one of the biggest, like, aha moments where I I guess I sort of put people or say things about people, and then I kind of reflect on it. I'm like, wait, why am I so triggered by this person? And sometimes I figure it out right away, and sometimes I don't, so I'm constantly analyzing because that's all what I do every day all day <laughs> and i it's really r- reflective of like the type of person that I am, obviously, but it's also good because now I know it, so now I'm going to change it. yeah,
0: but once you're like if you they say if you want to change if you want to change your life. Or then you need to change your mind and in order to change your mind you need to become aware of how your mind is functioning mm-hmm. how you're working yeah. um, are, like is are you able to notice when that person triggers you or do you just get lost in the emotion that mm-hmm. comes with that trigger and continue to blame other people or outside issues for something that might be inner an inner issue right um, an inner issue you got to tackle
1: And that's something that what I call uh, reparenting myself because I never, like growing up, it was just about safety. Let's stay safe. Let's make sure you have food on the table. It was like the minimal that a child needs. It was, you know, I, most of the time I was fearful growing up. So...
0: Could you go into that and... Why, Growing why are you up? fearful? It, and you don't have to if you don't want no, to. No,
1: I I can. I mean, or if you think I've it's talked relevant. about it so many times. Well, this it's funny because a lot of people don't know because I haven't really talked about it. Because I was very quiet. I think I still am. I'm silent, but I, I observe a lot. Constantly watching too people.
0: too It gets annoying sometimes, dude. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs>
1: no, it does. It gets annoying for me. And... If I can imagine if it's annoying for me, it's going to get annoying for you. I mean, I because don't
0: get, I'm just kidding. I don't get uh, annoyed because by, I, my, dang, she really notices everything.
1: I notice every single thing and then I can hear everything. It's just, it's not like I'm being nosy. Not, that's how I grew up. I grew up watching people and not saying much.
0: Do you think it's a, a way to protect yourself? Yes. Being so
1: observant? 100%. 100% because back to my childhood, I grew up in a dysfunctional family with a lot of chaos and those first five years are you know known to be the best are supposed to be the most important years that's how what's going to determine your relationships for me my childhood when i go back i'm like it was chaos is dysfunctional there was a, a physical mental abuse there was drugs there was alcohol i mean a little bit of everything <laughs> yeah. so that's what i'm now starting to dissect and having to go backwards so i can move forward because i really don't talk about it with i talk about it with people like i've obviously talked about it with my cohort the people i go to school with i've talked about it with my therapist i've talked about it with people who have gone through this, almost the same situation and obviously you, but I I don't really talk about it with the people who I need to talk about it with. And that's your family. And that's my family. And that's because it's so new to me. Like right now, I feel like it's so new to me. The only reason that I say it's new to me is because these two years that I started the graduate program, I had to open that box of everything that I've been holding in for Twenty six years,
0: <laughs> so it forced you to confront and those. For, it's challenges. forcing
1: me to confront every single thing that I suppressed growing up.
0: But one thing I'd say is it didn't necessarily force you to. I mean, I'm sure if you wanted to, you could have found a way to sure. easy, uh, easy. I want to. Say, I'm saying easy way out. But for someone who has a lot of anxiety, like no, that's not the easy way out. Just I don't know how to confront them. But you really were open in your program to like it. It, it hit. Uh, it hit your heart when mm-hmm. they started bringing this. Like, you you knew that, hey, I'm supposed to be here, and I'm supposed to have this conversation. I'm supposed to be in this program. And all of it was so relevant to you yeah. because of... It's, like, almost like you're... I remember you told me in high school... not. I mean, not in high school, but you told me oh. that when you were in high school... Yeah. We didn't know each other in high school. But um, when you were podcast. in high school, <laughs> like, you gravitated towards certain teachers for yes. just someone to listen to, listen to you, and to nurture, and all of those things, and... This kind of connects to that because mm-hmm. then you're out of high school and now you don't have that, and you shared that you don't really talk about this with your family. No. And then you get in this program, and it's the optimum. Kapoom. Yeah, it's the perfect place to, to yeah. share and, and really go back and reflect on those. And I'm, I'm glad
1: you went back to my high school years because those were probably one of the most important years of my healing, aka whatever you want to call it, or because I was that was the first time that I was validated for my experience because I thought everyone's dad is in prison, right? <laughs> everyone's family is this dysfunctional or, or you, you have uh, siblings who are in gangs. And, you know, it, it was kind of like my, my experiences are not that bad. And that's what they would tell me. And who, who would tell you? Family members? Um, oh like they'll say like, don't oh, be the victim.
0: They do the kind of you can have it way worse. Yeah, and that's like a weird way that yeah. people try to deal with their own traumas, like, well, it could be way worse, or mm-hmm. and that could be true, but let's also recognize the current suffering.: exactly. that you're enduring.
1: So no, I can't recall anybody when I was younger asking me or telling me what was happening. Like I didn't really have anybody to explain to me. Hey, your dad is schizophrenic. They told me he was sick. When he was in prison, they'd say I obviously I knew he was in he was in prison. I wasn't that young. I was probably like, Well, my dad was in and out of prison I think from the moment that I was born. But just like having somebody say, Hey, how are you how are you feeling? Are you okay? So one teacher did that for me, and she happens to be an English teacher. <laughs> and Why is I, it
0: always the English teachers, huh? Why am I so... It yeah, like it.
1: it's it's always... And I think it's because English teachers have, like, empathy. They, they're they reading. They're constantly reading. Yeah, and when
0: you read literature and stories, you're hearing about other people's stories. <laughs> yes. And putting yourself in their shoes. That's so that so that you're more true.
1: compassionate, and you're willing to make that extra effort to ask a student how are you feeling that's my idea of it but i've always looked up to women older women and and always took something from them and, and took something from them and i also saw myself in them so when i used to work at albertson's too the the um i don't even know what they call them now but she was my boss. She was older. And I'm like, if she can be successful, I can be successful as well. Because I always thought nobody in my family had graduated college. So that wasn't even in, the, in my path. College, school, I hated school. And so I didn't see myself as like a successful person. I saw myself. In the same situations that i kept seeing but in back of my head i kept saying there's no way i can be like that i don't want to do that i don't want to be addicted to drugs i don't want to be pregnant i don't want to be in a job that i hate and i have to go every single day i want to wake up and have a job that i love and you know have a family or or whatever the case was at the time when i was Well, actually, I didn't want a family. (laughs) I never wanted wanted to get married, and I never wanted to have kids. And that was because everything that was happening around me, I saw marriages, and they weren't marriages, to be honest. They weren't even healthy. They're not healthy at all. It was was just a bunch of chaos that, that would erupt every time somebody tried to have a conversation. And that's another thing. We never had conversations. It was like yelling back and forth. Now, I'm making my family sound like the most
0: Your family's awesome. tremendous,
1: <laughs> the most yeah, just horrible people, there, they're but awesome. they're not. They're not. They They do have a lot of trauma, a lot. Of, now, I understand that, of course. They have a lot of hate. They have a lot of resentment. There's a lot of stuff happening there that I hope one day they can heal themselves because there's a lot of unhappy people <laughs> in my family and I, and but they're the most generous yeah um people one ever. thing i'll say
0: about your family like one thing that's amazing to me is that you and all your cousins got you raised know? basically by women oh yeah no no men in the household for the most part mm-hmm. and all you guys all you and all your cousins you guys all have great heads on your shoulders yeah and you're not gonna get to that point unless you have some people that care about you and love mm-hmm. you and a, something that you we talked about before about really coming to terms with people who are doing the best that they can
1: doing the best what they can with what they have at the time yeah with what they have
0: and then what they have usually entails how they grew up Mm -hmm. who their role models were what they know is possible yeah so with that they did the best they could and trauma and all those difficulties there's no handbook on how to deal with this no one is educated for the most part. I mean, fortunately, we're becoming a lot more educated on this now, or, or at least in our eyes, it seems that way since we're both in the field of education. Mm-hmm. But for someone who grew up in that world, and not only that, first generation too, uh, your grandma, right?
2: Mm-hmm. So Immigrant. not only are you
0: adap- adapting to... Just surviving and making it in America, mm-hmm. and their ideals probably at the time of happiness and successes. Different than yeah. yeah, it's let's get a roof over our head, let's provide for our kids, mm-hmm. and and that's the and way let's lot hope of they go to school. But like your your family, <laughs> I, I love them so much. Like they have welcomed me since the the first day. The only white boy in the family. Yeah,
1: and it's because you're white.
0: You think that's why? And they want
1: to be white. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, um, my my family, if. And this is my my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my grandma, and obviously everybody underneath that. If you need food, if you need somewhere to stay, if you're very poor and we have the room and we have the food, which we always do, you're going to come into our home no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, we're going to take care of you. And that's, I've seen that so like so much growing up i saw it with like uncles and i saw it with cousins and and it was now going reflecting back on it i'm like oh crap you know like there's a lot of good that my family did and i'm gonna take that yeah i'm gonna take i'm gonna take that from 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 their experiences or what they did and i'm gonna try to make it my own so it's not all you know it wasn't all bad yeah you're you're more so
0: talking about the trauma that you experienced and who's gonna help you to deal with trauma when they're dealing with trauma at the exact same time as you
1: and they don't even know it that's the thing is that they don't know that because they don't know that they're so angry all the time and i'm thinking of a specific person but i'm not gonna say it but they're always angry they're always angry at work they're always in conflict at work they're always in conflict with other people and there's just like this bitterness and resentment and it's because they haven't dealt with what's really hurting them so in the work that I've been doing is where I work with students or I worked with with a bunch of different people, and a lot of their issues are rooted from childhood experiences. They're either sexually abused, dad was an addict, and now they're become an addict. So everybody has something in their childhood that brought them to where they're at now. And that that's like the one of the lessons I've learned is that everyone is just trying their best (laughs) and even if the best doesn't look like the best for me because if you think of um a pedophilia or a pedophile it's like that's your best yeah like so that to me is like i have to really try to understand that and then i think okay well hurt people hurt people.
0: Yeah, hurt people hurt people and, and that peda, that pedophile might have been molested exactly when they were a child.
1: And for the most part, they they were. Isn't that crazy
0: that people who are molested end up being the people that molest others or, mm-hmm. or sexually abuse others?
1: Yeah. It's, it's in yeah. your psyche that's it's, I mean, like that's another podcast like but.
0: you said those are those like key years when you're mm-hmm. when you're developing and mm-hmm. All those things. It's we gotta so love for me, our kids more.
1: Oh my god, it's it's so important to like those first few years of life. People see it as, and I say people, and, and this obviously coming from my experience, they see it as they'll never, they're not gonna remember, they're not gonna remember. No, dude, their brain's developing.
0: Their brain's gonna remember. Their
1: brain. <laughs> Like We've not, seen it like, so often. Yeah. We've seen it. It's always happening. No, like, what do you mean they're not going to remember? Yeah, they might not remember this specific moment, but right now, whatever you do is going to shape the rest of their life. And I have to tell that to a lot of people who have kids. I don't have kids, but h- holy crap. It's like those years are so important. And that's why I kind of want to share my story. And when I say share my story, I mean like, I want to write a book. I want to do a documentary. I just, you know, I just, I'm not ready for, I'm not either ready for it or it's not the right time for me right now. Yeah,
0: Like you said, you're still healing. Even now you're still healing and you're still uncovering. And I'm sure, do you ever come to a point where like maybe you thought you had figured something out and then, (laughs) and then maybe some other events happen or you continue reflecting and you're like, oh, even I was a little wrong there. Does that ever happen for you?
1: Yes. where
0: like you, your, your understanding of yourself continues to evolve.
1: And that happens every single day for me. Every single day is like I know something different about myself. It might be little and, or it might be big. And that's because I question myself a lot. Like in and what way? I question like why do I do, why, did, why am I thinking this right now? Why am I thinking about X, Y, Z? So then I reflect on that and then I'm like, oh.
0: Like what's the quality of that of that reflectiveness? Right? Like like ha- describe how how is it? So let's say you have some thought come up or or something. What how is it? Is it because like there's different ways some some people might take it as you're reflecting like cuz reflecting can also end up being you beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. So there's like a fine line between just really noticing it and then kind of like like exploring it with an open heart and with some honesty i guess Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's a more painful way to 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 observe it or to reflect but it's the for me it's the most accurate way or or the most transformational way to reflect versus like why are you doing that you're an idiot quit doing that like that usually typically doesn't help me
1: um, what, I think it's the same for me, but I always, I do go, I am hard on myself sometimes or a lot of the times and you've seen it <laughs> yeah. where I'm like, why am I thinking about that right now? Or why am I mad at that?
0: And sometimes you, you share with me that you're just exhausted because emotionally exhausted, emotionally exhausted. Yeah. And that's real too, because you're dealing with all this healing mm-hmm. and difficult emotions think about when you have anyone when you have feelings of sadness or anger how taxing that is on you and if for people who have anxiety which i had no clue until i married you and mm-hmm. got a first look at anxiety of how long anxiety can go for yeah. you can be you can be done with anxiety for four or five days or two weeks a month like it could be anything mm-hmm. and i imagine it's just completely exhausting and at some point when you keep having these thoughts up here and maybe they grab your attention or they trigger you and when it's out of your control and you're just like, Oh, when, when is it enough? Like I I haven't, I healed enough already, you know? Yeah. And that's what I keep asking
1: myself. It's like I healed already, right? I'm done. This is it. Why do I keep feeling like this? Why am I still crying? (laughs) And 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 it's like you're
0: uncovering other stuff. Like you're like, Oh, it's cause this, like I haven't.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It, it, there's always something new. And the more I read, too, the more I discover, oh, I'm acting like my mom. I'm doing the same exact thing my mom used to do and my dad. So when you, I'm going to give an example. When, <laughs> when you used to come home, when we first got married, uh, we used to come home and me, I would be sitting on the couch automatically. When I hear you opening the door, I would I would like get startled or jump or think I need to start cleaning, I need to start cooking, I need to I need to be doing something. He's gonna come in yelling. And what did you do?
0: Give you a hug and a kiss.
1: And you came in and you're like, Honey, I'm home.
0: Oh yeah, I'd say honey I'm and home. And then I'm
1: like, wait, what in the world? Why am I feeling like this? So I talked to my therapist about that, of course. And
0: I didn't know that. Not not the therapist, but that you were so startled. Yeah,
1: she's like... She, she said it's PTSD because I am assuming that growing up, every time a male would come home, it would be yelling or something would happen. So she made me reflect on why I would do that. So even even though I knew that, I would still get startled when you got home. So it took me a while to kind of be like, okay, it's, it's okay. You're going to be fine. Nothing's, he's not going to yell. You don't have to be cleaning. You don't have to be cooking. You don't have to have dinner ready. But that's just so ingrained in my head that I, my body knew it. And I went through the same exact feelings that I did growing up.
0: That's insane.
1: It's so crazy. And now you now that I think of it, I'm like, this is what? What like what? No wonder there's so much tension. No wonder there's so much so many issues in the world. Because if we don't really look at ourselves and look at what we've been through in our experiences and how they're affecting us now, it could easily go way And it and off. it
0: peaks out it peaks out it's, it peaks its head in different ways. Mm-hmm. So there might be areas of your life where you don't even know it's peaking out yet. You know, you just know that this irritates me um, mm-hmm. or this, this bugs me. Mm-hmm. But eventually you, you do. And what's crazy is we're such like an individualistic country. Mm-hmm. I'd say America. I, I mean, I haven't been to too many other countries, but it seems like we're one of the more individualistic countries. Yet, even though we're a country of individuals and not a ton of unity or, or connectedness, for being individuals, we do a terrible job of really knowing ourselves just to go back to what we were saying. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that COVID, um, everything going on 2020 now, 2021 politically, I hope, I I hope that this leads to something good and I hope that it turns into some self-reflection. And as an educator, I hope that one day our schools can teach mindfulness and, teach about trauma and tools to deal with these and cope with these. Cause there's tons of kids who have experienced a ton of trauma mm-hmm. and they don't know, they don't even know it. Yeah. They're just like, this is what life is. Um, it's they're normal. still in that survive survival mode Fire right now. Flight. and then later, later on, they're going to go through life with, with all their, with all their wounds, um, without them ever getting proper mm-hmm. attention. Yeah. But schools have the unique opportunity to teach kids Mm -hmm. about these things and to teach them how to explore yourself how to notice those those thought patterns that are so damaging to notice the interconnectedness of the world and how like one thing that always sticks out to me whenever I to go I'm gonna go to planet earth but whenever we watch planet earth it's amazing how all the animals the trees the dirt It's all interconnected. And if one piece isn't working, then the rest isn't working. Mm -hmm. And it's with anything else. If you look at a car engine, Mm -hmm. if you look at a fast food place, if one thing's not going well, then typically it doesn't. So you see this theme of having to work together.
1: The connectedness of it.
0: Yeah, but what seems to stop us from being connected is ourselves Mm -hmm. because we haven't learned to love ourselves or we haven't dealt with current issues we have. So we, ha- we feel even more separate from everyone. Yeah. Like you felt separate from a lot of other people because you probably had not no clue or you probably like, who can relate to me? Who's dealing with this amount of suffering?
1: 100%. I, everybody would ask me, because I used to play soccer, middle school and then somewhat of high school. And they would ask me, where are your parents? Where's your dad? Your dad's not going to come? Because dads will usually go watch them. And then I would have to make up the lie, oh, he, he's in the army. <laughs> he's a truck driver. He. I would always continue lying. But in the back of my head, I always knew, what am, they're not going to understand. If I don't understand it, they're not going to understand it. So why even explain it, you know, that he's in prison and this and this? So never explained it. Because I also didn't, I I was also lost. I didn't know what was going on. So as I grew older, then I started to realize, oh, okay, I'm a little different. My, my childhood is a little different than everybody else's. And not to say that people didn't deal with anything else, but I never knew anybody whose parent was schizophrenic. And it might have been because no one talked about it.
0: Yeah, because they're probably just... Struggling, to They're on the
1: same boat, right? They're on the same boat of, who's going to understand this? And there's also a little bit of embarrassment, especially in high school. Like, you don't want to put that out there. And another thing that my family would say is, like, don't don't say your dad's schizophrenic because then you're going to get made fun of. Okay, I'm not going to do it.
0: And do you think that was the reason why, or do you think... She- she just had some embarrassment about it, um, or trouble talking. No,
1: I think it. they genuinely cared
0: like that they I worried about bu- you being made fun getting of, for
1: getting it. bullied, and high school being kids are ruthless they are. Can be ruthless. they are. They are very. They can be. Yeah. Some, speaking I mean, this
0: from a, as a high schooler who was ruthless at the yeah, time.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're both educators and we both worked with high school students, and yeah, like, why would I say that my dad's or schizophrenic? Because the moment I say he's schizophrenic, oh, he's crazy. Yeah, he's crazy, but it's not because he wants to be or, you know, like you or, don't understand that when you're growing or up. Or they're
0: not going to understand. Um, They're not going to put yourself in those shoes and think about, OK, what I'm feeling. That's schizophrenic. What does that mean for her life? How's, yeah. how's her life different than mine? Mm-hmm. And that's not the path that we're always so quick to go down.
1: Yeah. So that to me was big, like major, because I can talk about it. So I held on to it. I think J. Cole said it in his concert. You hold on to your childhood uh, trauma or drama, and then you take it onto your teens. You take that drama, trauma, whatever, it, all your experiences, all that stress, you bring it into your 20s, and then sooner or later you, you, you get married, and then you have that stress. And it just, like, at one point it's just going to, explode because i suppressed so much that eventually it was going to come out so i didn't talk about it until 10th grade in high school and that was my teacher who who asked me and i was like you're jillian you you really want to know and it was funny because when i told her she was shocked
2: like she she was so, so heavy
1: no we had built a relationship because we had the same birthday. So we already had somewhat of a relationship established, which I think is very important when you're growing up to, to build relationships.
0: Yeah, especially with adults that aren't just your family members, mm-hmm. but like really a community of yeah.
1: adults. And I felt so comfortable talking to her. It felt so right to say it at that moment because that was the first time I talked about it to an adult, to a person that was in my family um so when i talked to her about it she was so shocked and she was like wait what and then i'm like yeah to me it was normal to me it was like it's not that it's not that bad though i kept saying it's not that bad though (laughs) you know and and then she's like no and she felt pity for me and then i told her i was like no this is not why i told you i didn't tell you to feel pity for me i don't want you to think differently of me just because i went through this
0: that you don't want to be looked at as like a wounded dog.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be seen as a victim. Like, no, 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 no. Like, no, you don't get it. Like, I'm fine right now. I'm fine. Like, I'm okay. I'm happy. You know, I'm this and this. Obviously, I'm, I'm in high school and I have friends and parties and all this stuff and soccer and stuff. But at that time, I didn't un- fully understand it. Now, now in my adult self,
0: she was looking at it like, "Oh my gosh!" that is her adult, you're going through. Yeah, as she's. A high I
1: didn't even see it as trauma. I didn't see what I went through as trauma until I started my program. I, I, I thought it was okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, "This is life. It happens, and it does. You know, it is life. It happens." But I didn't know what words to use for what happened to me, and why I was reacting the way I was reacting. So. That was like transformational for me. And I was probably, what, 16?
0: That's what's so amazing. It just takes one small act of compassion mm-hmm. that could one completely person. change yep. someone's life.
1: Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to be like her. What did that mean? I didn't want to be a teacher. <laughs> Good choice. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to do anything on education because I hated it. School and I did, I just did not like it. How am I gonna like school when there's a bunch of stuff going on at home?
0: Yeah, it's the last thing you wanted that, to worry the about. The only reason
1: I went was because of my friends, and that was like the time where I didn't have to think about what was happening at home because at 16, I think there was still some stuff going on. Um, my dad was already schizophrenic, completely bipolar, and there was a lot of aggression if he was injuring his pills. Uh, I mean, it was just a lot going on, and so I, was, I would never want to be home. I also had a job, so I would go to school, go to work, and then whatever left of my day, I would stay, be at home, which was just to sleep, and then the same thing over and over. So I avoided being home because I just did not want to be home. And I also lived with so many people that never had like silence or I never had that time to relax because you always have to be doing something. In my family, you have to be doing something. You cannot just sit and watch TV. No, 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 no. You either have to start organizing, doing dishes, and now I'm like, I'm still the same person. Yeah, you still do that. That's <laughs> what kills me. I still do that. I just don't know how to relax, and it's be. And You've gotten it's-
0: better, but still, like, I have no problem just sitting on the couch and doing nothing. And then I see I you like just ready to I do just something. need to do and something. You'll find something to do, and I'm like. Well, dang! Like if she's gonna be doing something, I guess I got to do something. Yeah.
1: and that's a trauma response. I don't want to just sit there. And thinking. like
0: that isn't a trauma response that people would think of as negative mm-hmm. or anything. <laughs> but yet, yeah, it still is some. Imp- mm-hmm. It's something that has to do with your trauma, and mm-hmm. that's that just goes back to how it peaks its head in these yeah. crazy ways. Yeah. So back then, you would just keep yourself busy just uh-huh. because your family told you. Or to distract yourself, or what was it? Well,
1: at the time, it was because my family, especially my my eldest aunt, she would always constantly tell me, "You need to get a job and start making money. You can't be just sitting here." And in her mind, it was more, "We're here to we're work. We're gonna be here to work. We're not here to mess around." And she didn't come from a place of, "You're being." lazy or it was more like i want you to be better than my brothers and sisters
0: (laughs) yeah she she's uh she pushes everyone in your family in in a positive way like mm -hmm. maybe at the time it might feel like an annoyance but her intentions behind it are really pure and truly just wanting the best for you not not just she sees you guys as a whole bunch of lazy people, mm-hmm. but she's like, no, like if we're gonna get to where we want to get to as a family, yeah, we need to do this
1: and she didn't have the opportunities, so she wants now she sees that we have them, and honestly, if it weren't for her, none of us would be here, like I probably wouldn't even have this conversation with you if she didn't take us out of where we were at, we, were, we used to live in Compton, and there was a bunch of gang violence, and it was a bunch of other sets of drama would that come in with I guess in a sense living in the ghetto (laughs) yeah and she took us out she took us to Downey and it was completely different a different environment I mean I lived in Mexico for about two years so when they were moving to Downey we had just got back from Mexico and I remember it clearly because uh I don't want to throw out names cuz nobody's going to know who I'm talking about. But my cousin was just born. He was he was just a brand new baby. So every time I think how long have I lived in Downey? It's his age. So it's been what 20 years since we moved out. But before that, it was Compton and then Mexico that I go would go back and forth. And I went to school in Mexico. Um and that was a whole another trauma (laughs) it was a whole nother stressor for me and it was about safety and it was about my dad was just kind of out of control when I think back on it there was also great moments where we had the biggest parties and we had you know we had everything I had everything that any kid could well that any kid would want or we think that they want yeah but I didn't have that quality time I wanted the time I just wanted them there and I'm telling both of my parents my mom was there because she she worked but she didn't work as much as in Mexico as she did here but my dad was gone a lot of the time and so when we moved here or to Downey it was completely different and it was a different environment and I am so grateful and thankful for for my aunt that took us out because I don't know that I would have been the same person living in the same place my mom grew up in. And, and, I, and I tell her, I, I've thanked her and thanked her. And, yeah, and she's always telling me, like, how proud she is. And I'm like, well, it's because of you, kind of. <laughs> Obviously, it took more a lot of work for me, but she's the one that, Said this is it, breaking the cycle, sister.
0: Yeah, and you guys and she really did it. break the cycle.
1: She broke it, yeah.
0: And earlier you talked about how a lot of your family hasn't dealt with that trauma that they've experienced or don't even know. Possibly, mm-hmm. how would you, how would you tell them to to work with it, or or what what would for you what would be the first steps?
1: Conversation. Um, we had a, a trip when we went to Big Bear. Was it Big Bear? It was Big Bear. It was, I don't know, a cabin with all my family. And obviously there's drinks involved, so people tend to be more open. <laughs> or maybe say things they shouldn't say. So... <laughs>
0: it could go either way.
1: Exactly. Um, so that was like the first opportunity that I had to to really listen to everybody else. And to listen to what they're hurt, how, what's hurting them. Because a lot of people are in pain and they don't acknowledge it as pain. They acknowledge it as, they might blame something completely different. So it was all males that my uncles that I was talking to, my cousin, and they opened up like, They opened up. They were so vulnerable that I started to think, like, "Wow, you you've been holding a lot of stuff in, and you're not talking about it, and you only talk about it when you're drunk." And now I can see that because now in the work that I'm in with like counseling and stuff, and I've done therapy, and I'm I'm doing the healing myself. So now I'm like, if we can have these conversations sober and maybe all sit in a circle take turns speaking about what's hurting us the most what has hurt us the most or that event that made us a person who we are because if we can see that and we could see it from different people then i think that's where the healing starts when you acknowledge it and you just sit with it for a little bit. And you're just listening to yourself in a sense, but you're also listening to everybody else's. Because when we finished talking, I told them, wow, we, we're all pretty much the same. We all have, aka daddy issues. <laughs> you know, we all have um, pain that has made us who we are now. And we've all literally mentioned our fathers. And to them, it was, they were drunk, of course. So they probably didn't even remember. But I think having conversations, I think that's why this podcast is really important. Podcast interviews, just to get to know different perspectives of people.
0: Because there's not a lot of conversations like this that go on at homes or Mm-mm. with friends.
1: And as for my family, we've, we don't talk about feelings. We don't talk about emotions. We don't talk about what's hurting us. We, the way we do it is we're passive. We make fun of people. We, <laughs> you know, yeah, we do it differently. Things that, yeah. We love each other. We would do anything for each other, but we don't talk. No, no, we can't go. We can't talk about what your dad did 20, 50 years ago.
0: Do you think part of that is they don't want... People to be put in a certain light. Like, for example, if they told stories or talked about stories with your dad, they don't want all your dad to be pictured or put in this box as this type of individual. Mm-hmm. And um, that could kind of go back to just really being open to people evolving. And yeah. I mean, your dad obviously has schizophrenia, so it's different. But like all of us, like if we look back and things we did, Or things other people did. And if we just focus on those situations themselves. Mm -hmm. Then I think some people might get defensive. Like oh no. They're going to think of me this way. Or him this way. But really talking about it. Isn't necessarily even going to be about what other people say. Or respond back to you. It's like you said. It's just when you're talking with someone. And being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You're also being self-reflective at the same time. So even when you're done sharing it. It's kind of like you just let something out that needed to get out and then it kind of gives you the freedom to okay, now I can really explore this.
1: And that's freedom. To me that's freedom. Vulnerability is literally freedom. Is letting everything out. Everything that you think is what's been hurting you or or being your your truest self in a sense when you're talking is that's so powerful when you just become so vulnerable that this is me, this is who I am, and this is what I've been thinking or this is what I've experienced, and it, it's so important to to let it out, and that's something that as you get older, you learn, even on paper, you just have to let it out because you're constantly thinking about it and thinking about it, and it's doing no good in there. somehow it has to come out in, in songs that's why music. I love music.
0: That's why so many kids, I think, love music. Oh, 100%. they find an artist that they connect with mm-hmm. or like, that might be sharing a similar struggle so or story. And,
1: and it's funny because when... And not
0: just kids, everyone.
1: Yeah, no, music. Music, I mean, to me, music is, it gave me the language. When I didn't know how I was feeling or when I wasn't sure or what words to use or how to, how to express myself, music did that for me. And it comes in beats. It comes in sounds as in the saxophone. It comes in piano. And And sometimes oh those sounds God, like connect just,
0: with your heart or your soul.
1: No, it hits your soul. You get and those when goosebumps. It, oh, yeah. And, and that's who your soul is so important. I mean, we can have multiple conversations, but the, the soul is what. And I think that's when you're having a conversation. You're not talking to the teacher. You're not talking to You're talking to the soul inside of the person when when you're so vulnerable. And that's what a lot of people, and I'm saying a lot of people, don't understand yet. I hope that at some point we get there. Is that I want to have a conversation with you, who you are before everybody or everything told you what you should have been. Like that person deep, deep inside of you which is the soul in a sense.
0: Yeah. And that's like kind of what listening is too, is you're not having these preconceived ideas of what this Mm -hmm. person is or who this person is because who you were yesterday is slightly different to today. Mm -hmm. Um, Who you were two years ago is different than today. Yeah. So really almost in meditation, I have a thing called beginner's mind where Mm. each time you meditate, it's like, you want beginner's mind where it's the first time you're meditating. So if you had this great experience meditating yesterday, you want to get hung up on that great experience and start chasing that experience when you're meditating. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a terrible experience, you don't want that to cloud meditation for you where you're like, oh, I don't want to meditate because I had that poor experience. But when you go into to it with beginner's mind as this is a new moment, yeah. every single second is a new moment. Mm-hmm. And with each moment is the potential for love, kindness, mm-hmm. greatness it's also potential for ter- those negative emotions and mm-hmm. those Anger. negative experiences. Yeah. But when you're able to just sit with someone and have a conversation with them without having those preconceived ideas of what type of conversation it's going to be and you just fully be with them, yeah, it, it's yeah. a different quality of conversation.
1: 100%. Yep. And I tried to do that with my students. Uh, obviously, I don't know them. But I have like a background of what they're doing, and but I try to—we call it blank slate. Just okay. Tell me what's wrong. You know, we don't—we don't try to say, "Oh, you have depression," and then think he's gonna be low energy. Yeah. He's gonna be sad all the time. It's like no, just you tell me how you what you're experiencing right now. So we don't—we try not to do that. We always try to be neutral when it comes to that. So I've been learning a lot of about that, yeah. But in my personal relationships or people who I talk to, it's a little harder (laughs) because I already kind of know them.
0: And not only that, then you have all these memories with them as Mm -hmm. well. So it's even harder. It's harder. And this is for both of us. Like Mm -hmm. I'm talking, like I'm able to just listen perfectly every time. No way. It's it's a work in progress, Mm -hmm. and for me, as I get more mindful. I'm able to do this better and better.
1: Yeah. And it's really hard, especially with my family. Because I'm like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I
0: think it's because you want to help them so much. And I
1: do want to help them. And, and my therapist, both of them said, you cannot help them. Yeah. It's like, I know what to do. And all I can do is plant the seed. Yeah. And all I can really do and be there Set the example of, hey, there is another side, and I say the other side is, is the side of you can live a better life, a more peaceful life, a more fulfilled life with purpose and, instead of resentment and hate towards other people. So I'm always trying to get them to go to yoga or, yeah, you- or read a book.
0: You invited your. I invite everybody. Your to mom, yoga. yeah, that's and those small things like you don't need to try to force something mm-hmm. into someone, and like a lot of times people do that, and it comes from a good place, but you're never gonna be able to force anyone to do anything. Yeah, and when people make decisions, you want them to make a decision because, because they, they want to do, do it. it. Yep. So like when your mom showed up to yoga a few times, I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that's really cool," and the fact that she returned, and came back again, tells you that did something. she wants to it it opened up Mm -hmm. a potential that maybe she didn't know was there before yeah and that's that's amazing and that's that's all we can do for each other is listen to listen to one another Mm -hmm. be there for one another if we have an opportunity to give advice or provide um like you said like inviting someone to a certain place Mm -hmm. then do those things absolutely yeah but there's i guess there's a nice balance between trying where you're trying to help someone more so you can help yourself and then also helping someone just because you want to help another person when i say like helping someone for yourself because like it's difficult to see your family members struggle oh yeah so you'll do and also it causes you suffering so Mm -hmm. it's not just about them always sometimes it's about yourself as well Mm -hmm. because like, you're causing me this suffering right now let me help you Mm -hmm. and it's also going to help me Mm -hmm. you know but so it's an interesting balance. It's something I'm still learning, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. I, and I'm like, oh, my God, if I can just sit you all together and and just listen to me for, for a few minutes. Well, have
0: you... So you said you haven't I talked have n- to me? I've
1: never... I have not...
0: So maybe that's the first step. Maybe the first step is you Yeah. having a conversation. Maybe it doesn't have to be them in a whole circle. Maybe it's just your no, mom or I think just it'll your start, sister.
1: Yeah, it'll start with my mom, my sister, and and my aunt, and then slowly move on i do want to tell them my side of the story we've talked about it briefly we've we go through experiences like my mom would be talking about with somebody and then i'm like oh i didn't even realize that happened yeah because
0: you're at at it from a child's perspective yeah she's a young adult and Mm -hmm. it's crazy just like you said the truth Mm -hmm. what is the truth you have your truth exactly and she has her truth yeah and still the truth that you guys are uncovering.
1: Because they would always say, go talk, uh, go pick up your dad, take him out to eat. He loved you. He did everything he could for you. Um, he always provided for you. They're almost making him seem, seem like this hero in my mind back then. And so I was like, wait, no, but he did all this to us. He put us in these situations that we shouldn't have been in in the first place. Why am I? Why do I have to? Why do I have to do it? You know, I know he's sick, and I feel complete. I feel so bad for him. And I had to come to the realization that I had to forgive him at some point.
0: So, what what is that forgiving? So, how how do you come to a place th- of forgiveness?
1: I think it's different for everybody, depending on the situation. But for me, I had to forgive him because I was being very resentful and bitter, and it was affecting my life because I hated him at some point. I hated him because he made us go through all this. He put all these memories, all these experiences in my head that I can't get rid of. So why, why wouldn't I hate him, right? Obviously I was younger and I wasn't that young. Actually I was in, still at Cerritos College and I just had this hate towards him, and so I kept trying to go through life without acknowledging it. Why I was hating him, and that's why I hated. I didn't hate. Well, I guess I did. That's why I didn't want to get married. That's why I didn't want to. It was like I hate men. Screw, screw them. I'm just gonna be single for the rest of my life, and. As I grew older, I realized why is it? Why is that? Why where is that coming from? It was because I hated my dad. So I was like, something's gonna change, I'm gonna have to change the way I think. Obviously I didn't think about it at that time. That just kinda happened. Yeah. And so I had to forgive him by and I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think I forgave him by acknowledging that he thought what I needed was what he gave me. Like he, he was also growing up in an environment that he didn't ask for. So he did his best with what he could, back to that. And But he also had pain. He also had struggle. So he was growing up as well. He was super young. I think they had me at, I want to say 20. My mom had me at 20. So they were still super young. They were still trying to figure out life. And now with a kid. So when I take them back to, holy crap, they were also growing up. They were trying to figure life out. And they had me. So a kid kind of had a kid in a sense. Yeah. They were trying to grow up as much as like I'm trying to grow up. I'm like, I can't even imagine having a kid right now. (laughs) So I can just imagine having a kid at that young of an age and still deal with the pain they had. My dad had, his dad passed away uh, like a year before I was born. And obviously my mom had her dramas with her family. So they were dealing with that and then they had me. So they're trying to figure life out while they have me. And that for me was, oh my God, they were also in pain they were also struggling so it kind of led me to forgive my dad
0: so just a sense of so your a lot of your forgiveness for your dad came from a place of compassion but also mm-hmm. acceptance so accepting what what happened yeah but also coming coming at it from a place of compassion where you're recognizing that these were suffering individuals like you said doing yeah. the best that they could with what they had to raise you and that's a hard thing to do because it's I say this a lot. It's a lot easier. Said than done. It's a lot easier <laughs> to, to hate.
1: Mm. It's a
0: lot easier to be resentful. And it's a lot, a lot more difficult to love and, and to accept. And that's because I think we have to deal with some pain when we do that. Like you said, you had to recognize some of the pain your dad had gone through, not just your own pain and yeah. the things that it led up to.
1: And love, to me, the word love and the action love. I didn't know it growing up. Love was like, yeah, love. I, I in, and then going back, like I'm still going through it right now. So, like, what was love back then? It was it providing? Was it giving you material? Like, material how did you experience thing? love back then? Yeah, like how did I experience love? Because I didn't really see it. Now I do. Now I see love as like self love. I see it as understanding i see it as compassion but before i didn't i know like w- no one explains it to you no one tells you what it is or but what i saw love as was material things i'm gonna give you a car i'm gonna give you whatever this money that was love to me and i think that's why i when we our first christmas i gave you a gopro it's like the most expensive one because I'm like, that's how that's how you show love. Right. <laughs> so and it, everything that I do now, I keep reflecting back and I'm like, wow, I do a lot of stuff that. I, I saw in my past. And it's and also cool to it.
0: see you now come to a place. I know you said this before that like recognizing how far you've come versus like how far you need to go Mm -hmm. and just fully being where you are now. And I feel like you do a a great job of that now of of acknowledging like, wow, like look at all this trauma that I've faced and Mm -hmm. I've dealt with. And it might sound weird to give yourself credit for that, but you you should and you should be proud of yourself and and love yourself. And for some reason that's like uncomfortable or or weird for us to do in, in society is to say I'm proud of myself, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not common.
1: Yeah, I I still struggle with it a little bit. When I I mean I just grad well I'm about to graduate, but I'm like it doesn't feel like I don't I don't feel like I deserve it. You do like obviously I do because I worked my ass off, but to me it's like I know I got to do more. I got to do more. Keep going, you know. It's like, <laughs> Like I think enough. that's not
0: all bad. There's like probably a no. There's downs. not all bad,
1: but I have to celebrate. Yeah. small it's not even small because it's not small. It's not getting a master's. Not is all. not small, especially well, in my family.
0: You, for me, like your master signifies a lot more than just your masters. Yeah. For me, it also it, signifies it, this tremendous leap of, of growth. courage, growth, because it's y- more than just a the counseling paper. a counseling master's. Um, program entails a lot of self-reflection mm-hmm. you've done your family tree learned tons about trauma so you were not you got your phd in your own trauma
1: <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah exactly it,
0: and at the same time me and you figuring out marriage together oh we're heading into our second year in our second year of marriage in march
1: that's gonna be another episode
0: but yeah just just um us being married that on top of all that is so much
1: And when, when you told, we had a, well, we have multiple conversations, but you, we had a conversation, like, I think it was last week and you were telling me, well, yeah, like you were dealing with marriage and, and like you stacked up all my,
0: (laughs) all the challenges, all
1: my challenges. And then I was like, oh, you're right. (laughs) You know, I kind of have to hear from somebody else. Obviously I know it, but when somebody else validates Validates it. yeah. When I get validated, it's the most, I think that's everybody, but I'm like, oh, okay. I'm doing okay. You know, I'm not too bad. I'm not too crazy or this is good. You know, I'm doing good. You just want to be seen and heard and understood. And I think that's the most amazing feeling in the entire world.
0: Absolutely. And last week I was talking about you on, a. I went on my friend's podcast and um, I I mentioned you. I don't think you listened to it yet. Mm-mm. i just mentioned like how, how proud i was of you and just because of the amount of growth and courage it takes to to deal with trauma because before i hadn't i told you this i had no idea about trauma mm-hmm. how debilitating it could be and all these things how ongoing it was and then you really um showed me what what trauma is and yeah. and all about it and i'm grateful for it because i have over 170 high school students in my classrooms and i promise you a lot of them face trauma Mm -hmm. and it allows me to be more compassionate to be someone who could validate um validate them or Mm -hmm. or be your miss pompey who is your your Mm -hmm. high school teacher be that for for other people
1: or be my marsha
0: yeah, and I'm, those are the two people who... Marsha was your mentor.
1: She's, she was, yeah. Well, what's the greatest thing you learned mentor. about Marsha? It's the second time you
0: mentioned her. We got to talk about her a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah, so she was my supervisor, my internship supervisor for my practicum hours for my graduate program. So I literally met her, well, I have no wit, six months, like, a year, let's just say a year and i thought i'd like i've known her my entire life the moment i stepped in the moment i stepped into her office and she saw me and she looked at me and i it was like i saw this this i didn't see her i saw her soul like i literally i know this is gonna sound weird i know you probably get it but her i just saw her soul it was such a like Tranquility. I felt so calm. So when you I say you saw her soul, is
0: it like you're feeling this vibration or this, this energy, energy and
1: the, her spirit, her God, whatever the, people call it. I mean, different people call it differently. But I saw that. I didn't see her counselor. I didn't see. I saw her spirit. Her. She had like a little glow. <laughs> I I'd tell her that it's like you were like an angel that came into my life because at that time. I was ready to give up, like multiple times. But I was just done. I was like, "This is too hard for me. Emotionally, physically, I cannot do this anymore. <laughs> like, it's this is so hard for me." So I wanted to give up, and then I met her. So I think it was on purpose. I think the universe said, "You're not giving up. You're, you're not ready. You know, this yep. is this is where you're supposed to be." So when I met her. I've immediately and obviously talking to her. I immediately had the feeling, I'm supposed to be doing this. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be, because she what she's been talking to me, she told me about all her traumas and all her pain, and she understood me so like cl- clear. like I didn't have to elaborate on anything. She already knew it and obviously it comes from experience from talking to so many students and obviously her own experience
0: yeah and also just being herself which like it seems like you had mm-hmm. this immediate trust
1: oh my god it was and that's huge. unbelievable what how i felt just you know being in her presence and knowing everything she went through and the person she is now gave me so much hope that this is temporary. I'm not going to state, you know, pain and struggle or it's this too shall pass in a sense. And you're going to be a better and wiser person because of it. So I always told her, I was like, I can't wait to be you when I get older. I can't wait to be (laughs) you when I get older because she's so calm and she doesn't judge. And she's so, I mean, I, I don't know other than she's an angel that, you know, Everybody has said that they feel so comfortable talking to her. They just feel her energy and that genuineness of when she speaks and when she looks at you, you just feel like you just... Somebody came in and they were like, I just want to tell you my whole story. I just want to, you know, and that's what counselors should do. You should feel like that in a counselor. And me going to... or counseling or to be a therapist I hope that I can measure up to that I have no to.
0: doubt you will and I want
1: to be <laughs>
0: and like one thing that's cool when you talk about a person like Marsha is from what you've told me about her she, she does the inner work You know, so oh, yeah. she's someone who's reflective mm-hmm. whether it be journaling I'm not sure if she does meditation or, or what she does mm-hmm. um, but you told me that she's done a lot of inner work and she's kind of a shining example of what it can be when you do mm-hmm. that inner work even if you have difficult circumstances that you face even if you come from even if you're currently facing a lot of challenges she's a shining example of you can work with your trauma with these negative experiences and blot and it will blossom into something beautiful mm-hmm. so like if more people did their inner work uh, really got to know themselves think of how great and beautiful the world would be how like you can have that type of person everywhere. everywhere and they might be more places than we think and we just don't know because we don't no. have conversations and our communities are a mm-hmm. little different but that's that's another hope just to go back to wanting mindfulness and those things to be in school is that's what our that's what our country needs most mm-hmm. we don't need smarter people we, no, we don't need We don't, we don't need, we need wiser people. And the way you get wiser people is have people who explore themselves and have a better understanding of themselves. And once you have a better understanding of yourself, you're able to be more compassionate and understanding to others. Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm hopeful. That's why I'm still hopeful despite like everything going on.
1: Yeah. And I think, I hope that COVID gave people the time to sit with themselves. Because what does Dharma say? When you, when you're when you're alone or when you are by yourself, you become yourself.
0: Yeah, when you're yeah, I think when you're by yourself, you become you yourself. You become
1: yourself. So, I mean, a lot of people had to stay home, you know, so they didn't have that time to bandage their pain in at the bar or uh, going out with friends, or you know, they have to stay home. So what happens when you stay home? Like You're like, oh, what do I do? So you start to kind of reflect a little bit on what's important and what's not. And why am I drinking so much? Or why am I, um, you know, doing these things that are not doing me any good? So I, f- I hope, that's my hope, that people did do that. Because I did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would I think it. a lot
0: more people did do that. At the same time, also wonder how many people opposite just yeah just change like yeah because so i'm just just the phrase um your body's a temple came to mind because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people took COVID as a time to whether it be their fitness or, or whatever it may be but we have these diets and our diet's not only food but it's also what we consume on tv what mm-hmm. we consume on social media and it seems that during covid that people have consumed a lot of garbage. And yeah. whether it be on social media, on the news, um, a lot of negativity in conversations, a lot of fear. And I think that has to have an effect uh, on. I think that's partly why everything's so kind of chaotic right now. We just had months and months of this trash diet. And I'm sure actual food was trash too, for that's an yeah. American way. Um, but really, the diet of what, what you're taking in mm-hmm. for yourself. And
1: yeah, for sure.
0: And that's why I'm glad a documentary came out. The, what was it called? Um, The Social Dilemma?
1: The Social Dilemma.
0: Because I I had already been kind of on the fence, like.
1: Because I was one of those
0: people that was consuming a lot of stuff, like learning about COVID or the drama going on with Trump or whatever it may be. But most of the time it was just like conflict and no no information out there that was helping me in any Mm -hmm. way. And yeah. I watched that documentary and saw how these Your algorithms, algorithms. <laughs> take my human psychology and, and know how to keep my attention and how do you keep people's attention? Mm-hmm. It's conflict or people agreeing with exactly what you're saying. And and that's yeah. not healthy or accurate to just hear only people that you want to hear or only hear these extreme ideas that piss you off.
1: Yeah, that's why we're so divided.
0: Yeah, so when I escaped that, uh, it was like a breath of fresh air. And I, and I, that just goes back to the diet thing. Like, my, I cleaned up my diet a little bit. And I felt the difference.
1: <laughs> you did. You, you did a lot. I mean, you're doing this now, too. It's not the beginning of COVID. But you've always wanted to do this. You've been talking about doing a podcast forever. Yeah, I know. And it's finally here.
0: I know. I'm finally podcasting. But
1: for me with social media, I did a lot of unfollowing. Uh, I did a lot of. If they're not being compassionate or empathetic, you're out.
0: (laughs) Hey, that's that's an important way of. I mean, I don't. Or muted. I guess like it makes sense. So like, I would never want to just like out someone because they're not compassionate or this or that. But when it comes to social media, it does make sense because you're not going to be having conversations with those people on social media where you're going to change their mind or this or that. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be constant posts that you're going to see. So I, there's a balance of protecting yourself and mm-hmm. knowing what's good for you, what's not. It's not like you're dismissing that person saying they're never going to grow or anything. But you're like, you're I have not, boundaries. You're not, yeah, you have boundaries and you have to have those, especially if you want to stay healthy. Yeah.
1: And and I tried to stay away from the news for a little bit because it was affecting my my mental health like pretty bad. And I was like, OK, what am I? I got to do something because this is not working out for me. There's so much news and so much negativity. So I started following the opposite. I started following mindfulness uh, pages or uh, pages that talk about um, yoga or...
0: Or just inspirational pages where there's like those uplifting quotes and... Authors
1: that I like or celebrities that are so passionate about making the world a better place or artists and... So I really focused on people who are making a difference and not the people who are just complaining and not doing anything about it. Yeah. So. So
0: And that's, that's like the majority of people on social media. Exactly.
1: So when I did that, because I took a break from it, from social media, about, I don't know, like four weeks or something. And it, obviously I was working on myself and, you know, I was writing and I was trying to read more. And obviously I had a bunch of homework to do too. So... It was good that I took that break, but it was also more of a mental break because it was just negative, negative, negative. So I switched it up to if they're not compassionate, if they're not empathetic, and if they're if they keep complaining and they are not doing anything to to solve the situation. So or, they're just
0: adding conflict. And if they're just adding, adding drama, exactly. If they're then, just
1: adding drama and blaming, because yep. there's a lot of blaming, and then I'm like, why do you keep blaming? A lot of tribalism. so it's funny because when I cleared all that and then I'm like okay this person is still complaining and most of them were my family members (laughs) (laughs) and it's my extended family and I'm like oh my gosh okay I know they're good people and I know that they will not hurt anybody. So I had to like, <laughs> I can't unfollow you because you're obviously my family and I love you and and so that was a little a little difficult for me. But once you cl- once I cleared and muted people that I did not, I knew that I don't appreciate or weren't going to do any good in my feed. It is so it's so much better for me to go on social media now, and I don't really I'm not like scrolling all day either. I just look at it, and usually it's about mental health. <laughs> it's therapist. I mean, yeah, it's, it could be
0: great because those just serve as like little oh reminders, God. little uplifting um, posts.
1: You'd be surprised what you can learn from TikTok. <laughs>
0: it's kind of go kind of goes back to like what we were talking about earlier. Nothing is all good, nothing is all bad,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's the same with social media. There's some great things about social media.
1: It's a personal responsibility.
0: Yeah, personal. That's kind of goes in line with COVID too. Just personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and that's
1: take take responsibility for what you want to see what your actions are and and what you let in and it's boundaries and that's something obviously everybody at one point knows like you were trying to show me a video last week oh yeah and you're just like nope i'm not gonna see it Not, don't want to see anything it was a creepy video i and i'm so glad that i had the courage because I felt bad. I was like, "Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that to him," or, or I was maybe I was. Speaking I'm too. still pissed off about and it. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like, I know my boundaries. I know that if I were to watch that video, or
0: and you knew you were already a little frustrated. And with I was already going on exactly.
1: And, I was already at the at my edge. I was already at the edge of like, no, I'm not. And you have to say no. You have to be okay with saying no. Because you know yourself more than anybody else. And hey, I don't like this stop doing that or this is not making me feel good or comfortable and that's that's especially women I feel like we're always like oh no it's okay you just made that sexual comment it's fine that's me at least I, that's how I was I was like ah, just laughing it off now I'm like no
2: <laughs> excuse like, not- me
1: what did you just say now I'm now I'm like that but now you know no one has done it to me but you know at, at work or wherever I would go for events and stuff. Somebody when you were working for the sound? When I was working for the sound, yeah. I, it was, it's like, I can't believe there's still people like this. Like, yeah. why aren't you pregnant at 19? What do you eat? Lettuce? Because obviously I'm super skinny. and Or they would make stupid comments as like, why don't you wear something shorter? Or uh, it was ridiculous. and And I used to laugh about it. And then I would go home and feel like crap. And, then, and now I'm like, I would tell them to da 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 Because now they think it's okay in my head. And obviously, you know, don't take things personal, but... Sometimes it's so, hard not to. It and was, they were so disrespectful. And it happened at, when I used to work at the grocery store. Um, <laughs> and it happened when I used to work at Best Buy as well is it, it was like a constant thing. I had so many stalkers too. So I wish that I had enough, I guess, anger <laughs> to tell them to F off not that I do now, but before I would just see it like, Oh no, oh, so I'm so you, timid. I'm so,
0: How how would you approach it now?
1: And tell them to f off. <laughs> Is that effective? <laughs> for me, yeah, I feel <laughs> much better. <laughs> but back then, it was like I don't know. I would I, tell my. Sounds crazy. I would tell my those guys
0: might do something.
1: Well, they did it. They did. They would follow me. They would wait for me to get off of work.
0: That's creepy. And, yeah, and that's one thing. I like as, as a my guy, managers, I don't, I don't really consider all of those things. Um, like especially. Well,
1: you don't because you're not creepy.
0: Especially. Well, yeah. And I guess because I don't have, like, creepy guys saying stuff to me. So, like, if you've ever experienced creepy guys saying stuff to you or following you or doing those Mm -hmm. things, then it's on your mind, oh, he might be a creep. and Or just walking to your car at night, things like that. Yeah,
1: so I would have to wait till somebody walks me out or somebody picks me up or somebody takes me home. And I was, what, 17. I was super young. And I saw it. I was super scared. Yeah, I was scared. (laughs) But... I was like, "What?" Like, you know, you don't you somehow don't understand it. But now I'm like, "No. I would stand stand my ground and say, "You better leave me alone." <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it it happens to I think most women. I don't know any but any woman that hasn't. At least at them.
0: some point. I mean, I remember in high school like walking or Especially if I was like walking home alone with the girl. Um, and then it wasn't you. Don't worry. It's a long time ago. Don't get jealous. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. But um, like, you know, walking home with the girl or something, and then some guy yells something out the window. Yeah. Or we're in a crop, walking across a crosswalk, and you see this like old dude checking mm-hmm. out this 17 year old. And he's like, come dude, on, man. Two,
1: two older men wanted to m- m- marry me or buy me. They would say, hey, I'll give you this much money if you come and. And marry me and how much we'll move to mexico i asked him and it wasn't enough so <laughs> I was <just> <laughs> but i'm like wait what do i do do i look like a for- does it look like i have a for sale sign i'm like i'm just working let me just sweep this this uh trash or you know i was pushing cards and, and that's I'm why like, i
0: feel like men like, what
1: in the world
0: we're still evolving we're Jesus. still so close to being primates
1: oh my god like so it was it was scary now I'm not too too afraid because I can fight I'm just kidding I I try do you
0: I feel like it's got I mean of of course it's coming from from a dude but yeah I I feel like it's it's gotten better
1: it has a little bit yeah
0: and I feel like we continue getting better and the hope is that the hope is yeah
1: and I think it's because we have to let men also be vulnerable and and listen to them as well when they're younger, you know, because obviously those men that were doing whatever stalking me or whatever, they were dealing with some. Yeah, if you're stalking someone, some you stalk. get some, you, need, yeah.
0: you need some help.
1: You need some mental help. Um, obviously, now I see that. I didn't see it back then. And they have
0: some like intense desires.
1: <laughs> yeah, like this. Maybe because I was so because I'm so small and I look easy to. I don't know. Like, I don't know what their logic was. But, yeah, I don't know if I told you, but one of them, like, took me a gift with some weird postcards of, like, Freddy Krueger and Jason and, like, a ring with, like an, like, an eagle. And the bag had, like, a hot dog on it. Like, he drew on, like, he was, le- he was legit in love with me. He wrote me a letter.
0: And have you ever had a conversation with him?
1: Yeah. When he gave me the bag he said But like before that Oh no. So he He was just a customer. And he would say like hi but one time he just came and he said, You are the one. You're the one for me. And then I'm like, Whoa buddy. No 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 no.
0: When you know, you know.
1: No, no, not at that time. I was seventeen. I was like, What? So he gave me this bag and I was such a dummy, took it home with me, put it in my garage. And then I told my mom the next day. She's like, "Get that shit out of here." What? Are and then I opened the bag, and it all, had all these weird. Oh my god, it was so weird. So I don't know if he saw his wife in me. I don't know. Like it was the creepiest thing, and I'm never gonna forget that. And I hope I never have to go through it again. But yeah, I don't know how we how did we get here.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We
1: we're just talking about everything, I guess.
0: But if you ha- if you had to give some parting words. Some last bit of advice. And I also have to say, we're going to have to podcast again and talk a little bit about me and you, marriage. Yeah. If you don't divorce me by then.
1: Well, you better do it soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, yeah, I if, like you, if you have any
0: last words to talk about to leave for anyone dealing with trauma. Because um, there are a lot of people out there. What advice would you give them? Or or just any statement about any last, last words?
1: Um, I mean, there's so much, but the first thing that came into my mind was show up for yourself. Um, Don't give up on yourself. Even though some days may feel like you're in the darkest, deepest hole, you're going to get out. You can get out, but you have to keep showing up for yourself and keep reminding yourself and this, these are dharmas words, <laughs> that you're worth the effort, that you are worth it. You you have the power in you. You just have to keep showing up for yourself. And
0: and what's that mean, it's keep all-temper. showing up for yourself? How do you keep showing keep up for yourself? Keep
1: showing up for yourself in terms of, I, well, I would say, like, don't, don't give up on, on that painful situation that you're going through or that failure that you keep drowning yourself in or those negative thoughts that you keep thinking of because that's not you that's part of you life is happening to you so just keep moving forward and one day you'll realize that was like a big lesson so if you keep showing up for yourself and because you know what you want you know what you need you know exactly how you're gonna fix yourself or repair yourself because I think a lot of us think we're we're broken, at least for me. Um,
0: and broken as in, like, you need fixing and need something's some, wrong with you. Yeah,
1: like something's wrong with me or I need some type of... Somebody has to come fix me. Someone, no, I'm going to fix... I'm going to repair myself. I'm going to heal my own self. So I have to keep showing up for myself.
0: And, like, also just to go on that, when you say, like, I have to fix myself, it's also... I feel like coming to an acceptance of yourself where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. Not like I'm broken and by doing these things, I'm not going to be broken anymore. But I think it's in the hopes of by doing the things you're doing, you're telling yourself that I'm okay as I am. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: There's room for improvement. There's things I want to do, but I love myself for where I'm at, for what I'm experiencing. And even though this might be a low point, like you said, Um, show up for yourself and and that those low points don't last forever even when they seem like they do
1: and then we expect people to take us out or get us out of that dark place and to be honest it doesn't work that way
0: (laughs) no one's gonna come fix your problems. i've
1: learned it and exactly no one's gonna come change you you can only change yourself and the way you change yourself is by showing up for yourself.
0: And like on the, on the same token of what you just said, like no one's going to show up for you. When you do show up for yourself, you'll be amazed at how the universe, the world, mm-hmm. God, whatever you want to say, how will provide you with people to help you along the way. Mm-hmm. Like I've like you said, you're a high school teacher. Marsha. hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: um marry me for <laughs> yeah. you yeah. um you know all those things happen for a reason oh, and, and when you communicate to the universe or to whoever that hey i'm going to show up for myself mm-hmm. and and you know really just communicate what you want for yourself the world will work with you
1: yeah and that's so true it's it's just amazing how powerful we we are and the energies that we can create if we just if we're just a little more patient with ourselves.
0: Yeah, patience—that's super key. I
1: mean, we could talk about everything, really. I know. Well, thank. <laughs> you. I don't want to keep going. <laughs> thank
0: you for for coming on. I appreciate it. You're my first—I mean, second guest, Cyril, My last guest, Cyril, She was very upset with me that he was my first guest and not her. Big—it's a learning curve for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, anywhere people should follow you or you don't want them following your social <laughs> no. media, so probably not. No, I don't. Alright, do. well just stay tuned for her book one day. I'll I'll link you up with that. All right, later.